It's time to get into the Word. Let's begin with prayer. You know, I'm going to mess with you. Why don't you stand to your feet? You look like you're too relaxed. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come in your presence. We love you, Lord Jesus. We honor you. We give you praise. Lord, I thank you regardless of the games of life or the challenges of life or uh, whatever might happen in the world system. You're still Lord. You're still King of Kings. We thank you for your goodness that exceeds and beyond even our understanding. You are good and there is none like you, Father God. We thank you. We plead the blood of Jesus over this house and over this time right now. We sanctify and decree that this moment right now, it is holy. It is holy. We thank you because your presence is here. The blood of Jesus is here. And so because it's holy, Father, we come boldly into your presence according to your word. And we, inv- we yield to your spirit. We ask you to speak to our hearts. Bring a change into our life. Direct and guide us. For some, it might be wisdom and revelation. For some, it might be insight. For some, it might be healing. For some, it might be a blessing. For some, it might be an opportunity. Whatever they might need, Father God, I hold up everyone under the sound of my voice. And according to your word, I ask you to bless them in a special way. That as we walk out of this building today, we will know we have been in the presence of God. And our lives have been touched. And we thank you for that. And we give you praise. And everyone shouted, Amen. amen and amen. High five two or three people and tell them, get ready. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Our theme for this year is that it came out of our 21 days of prayer and faith. Now, that's not five people. You just high five 25 people. Now, you're going to make me late to the buffet. Now, stop it. From our 21 days of prayer and fasting we did corporately in January, one of the things that came out of that was our theme for this year, and that is the God of the impossible. He is the God of the impossible, is he not? I think you read the Bible, you can't, you can't deny that. Everything God did, it wasn't like people, th- you know, when they watched Jesus, when things were happening in the Old Testament, all this stuff written down, it wasn't like people were like, hmm, yeah, I've seen that before. It was always stuff that was like, that can't be possible. People in situations that were impossible, and God, get, get them out of it. Give them victory over it. Raise the dead. Impossible. Virgin birth. Impossible. Split the Red Sea. Impossible. Story after story. Linesden. Impossible. Fiery furnace. Impossible. It was God doing what God does. He is the God of the impossible. We have lowered the standing of our expectation, which is our hope, which defines our, the substance of, to our faith, Hebrews 11.1. 1, and it's our faith that we need to receive from God. And we struggle from receiving from God because we're trying to look for him in the realm of probable. We look for him at the level of probability. And when you look for God in the realm of probability, you probably won't find his hand. Because he operates in a dimension of impossible. I'm reminded of the angel who said to those at the tomb, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Why do we look for the God of impossible within the realm of our probability? Well, I think God could do this because I can show him how to do it and I know how to make this work. Here you go, Jesus. Here's the master plan. Lord, bless it in Jesus' name. But what if you find yourself in the life situation? 
Maybe in a storm of life, God forbid. Or maybe an opportunity of life that's so beyond anything you can do. Do you stop? Do you get paralyzed? Do you overanalyze? Or do we say, God, you lead me, and if you tell me to step out of the boat, I'm going to walk on water today. Because it's not me telling me to step out of the boat. It's the God of the impossible telling me to do the impossible. He doesn't keep the power of impossibility to himself. He releases it to man and through man. And he says, listen, Moses, I want you to do this. Moses says, I can't even talk right. Sure, we'll use Aaron, your brother. But I want you to go, and I'm going to make you a god. Read it. Find it in the Bible. I'm going to make you a god in the eyes of Pharaoh. I'm going to display my power through you so that when I get done, the world will know that there is a god who watches over his people. He's the god of the impossible. We like the stories, we can quote the stories, but when it comes to our own life and we hit the walls of impossibility, we tend to freak out. I don't know about you, but I've been there. Oh no, instead of saying, my God, he is the God of the impossible. So I wanna encourage you today, if you're facing something that seems impossible, if you know somebody, it may be a bad doctor's report, that's saying it's impossible. It might be a bad financial report that tells you you'll never dig out. It might be a bad relationship report that says this is over and we'll never see each other. Whatever it might be, I'm telling you that we worship, we serve, and he is still live and active, and he is the God of the impossible, and he wants to do the impossible for you. Say, he's the God of the impossible. Say, he's the God of the impossible. And he wants to do the impossible for me. One of the verses that came out of that fasting also is Psalms 111. I'm going to keep repeating this because I, I want to bring it into the rhythm, the culture of who we are. We don't, we don't receive faith because we heard it. We receive faith by hearing and hearing. In Psalms 111, verse 4 and verse 6, in New Living says, He causes us to remember his wonderful works. I'm telling you. That as we get closer to the last of the last days, and the last days began in Acts, check it out. We are in the last moments of the last days. But the world's going to get darker. It's going to get more evil. It's going to get crazier. But the church is going to get brighter. It's going to get stronger. It's going to get better. And that might mean, as a church, that we might have to give up some of the toys of what we played with before. That, we, that allowed us to be comfortable at a level we've been for a long time. It might be, okay, I used to do this. What if, and I'm not saying, don't, don't misunderstand, and let's keep it in the middle. What if, God forbid, things started crashing, and hospitals started closing, and doctors started leaving, and pharmacies started... And I'm not against medication. But I'm saying, what if it came to a place... What if we had to say, God, I'm going to have to take you at your word because I have nothing else. I'm not wishing that, I'm not wanting that, and I'm not prophesying that. But I'm saying some people in this room, maybe you're facing something along those lines of a situation that you have no place to turn. And everything that you tried and worked with before that helped you before isn't helping you today. And you have nothing but Jesus. And I'm telling you, don't feel down. He is still the God of the impossible. I want to stir the word of God in your spirit. I want to stir that word that's already there. Some of you have been around the word long enough, and you might 
might let it get dormant because it's just been sitting. It's like getting out of shape. But I'm, I'm telling you, the anointing is going to stir you up and bring you to a place of spiritual shape. That if God forbid it looks worse outside, if the news tells us it's going to be horrible, you don't freak out. You don't lose any sleep because the Bible says he gives his beloved sleep, uh, sweet sleep. You go to bed saying, thank you, Father God. I thank you. I give you thanks for you've given me victory, the Bible says. You've caused, caused me to be victorious in every situation. Why? It's by the faith of God's word. This tool might have worked for me before, but we're moving into a dimension that that won't work again. So what do you do? Do you quit? Do you give up? Do you cry? Do you fall apart? No, you get even a stronger hold of this word and say, Father God, I'm going to choose to believe. What Romans says, I choose not to be moved by what I feel, hear, or see. And what I used before might not be working today, but you are still the God of the impossible. Show me what to do because the method might be different, but the outcome should be the same. God's called you to be the head and not the tail. He's called you to win and not be defeated. He called you to be more than a conqueror. Am I talking to anybody today that you get sick and tired of having the winds of storms beat against your house and you're ready to rise up in faith and say enough is enough. I will not die. I will live and declare the works of the Lord. If that's you, give him a praise. Come on, stir yourself up. Stir yourself up. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. He has shown his great power to his people by giving them the lands of other nations. I, and I prophetically speak to that over your life today. That this is the year you're going to see possessions come into your hands like you've never seen before. You're going to see possessions come into your hands. If you're in the flow of God, you say, well, how do you know that? Because that's what the Bible says. Wealth of the wicked stored up for the righteous. It's not a greed thing. We don't operate in greed. Greed is the mindset of getting something for your own consumption. We believe in operating on the principles of the word of God for the assignment that God has for you and for us corporately. Are you listening to me? You can't feed people if you don't have money. You can't put clothes. I mean, Jesus told people. He said, listen, I want you to feed the hungry. I want you to clothe the naked. And most people think, oh, we, that's a good thing to do. But they can't do it if you don't have something to do it with. And it's a trap of the enemy to keep people down in a system that won't let you get ahead. And all you have to do is work 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And all of a sudden, I'm not political, but all of a sudden they'll take more money out of your paycheck. And inflation goes up and costs you more to buy that, uh, that hamburger or that, that fruit in the grocery store. You're like, how are we going to make ends meet? That's the system of the world. And though we're in the world, the Bible says we're not of the world. I'm not telling you quit your job. I'm saying look to the author. I'm telling you, look to the finisher. I'm Tell you, look to your Jehovah Jireh and he can show you what to do so that you can move and bring the heaven system on this earth today and though your job might not look the way it did before or it might look the same as it always been it doesn't mean you're limited to that God can use you and bring you to a different place the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous greed is wanting something so that you can consume it for yourself I'm telling you God is going to bring the last day church into a place of financial provision so that we can propel the God so that we can feed the hungry so we can change the world it won't be just about God doesn't mind you having stuff he just doesn't want stuff to have you and if the devil can get you so your eyes so glassy on the little shiny trinkets instead of realizing all that the father has belongs to you don't be sidetracked by the little dusty 
things that the enemy offers that is consumed quickly and leaves you sick and busted, disgusted, begin to say, no, my father has a better plan. My father has a better system. My father has a better way. I can be the head and not the tail. I can give, the Bible says, that grace abound to you so that you can be generous in every opportunity and still have all sufficiency. That's not, we're not taking up a second offering for those who are guests. Chill out about that because there's more than trying to get a few bucks out of your pocket. To try. We're not trying to meet a bill. I'm trying to get you to the rhythm of God's blessing in every area. It's thinking this way. We call it a John 10, 10 dynamic life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. It's if God has it for you, do you want it? I believe that we're going to be a church that lives this out and displays it. That if God says we are, we are it. If God says we're to have it, we will have it. If God tells us to do it, we will do it. If God tells us to reach somebody, we will reach them. It's not us trying to collect just for our own greed, but it's saying we are in a bigger system. We are part of a bigger team. We are part of a bigger army, and we are in the puzzle of God's bigger picture, and whatever he gives us as an assignment, that's where we are pursuing. How are high water convenience, regardless of who is in the office of presidency, regardless of what the news says, some of us are waiting for a different president or for the same president before you obey God with the business. You need to obey God when he tells you to walk. Start walking. When he said, pray for the sick, start praying. Well, it's not a good time to pray for people. They're a little nervous. If God tells you to pray for somebody, start praying for them. I'm telling you, he's getting ready to do something amazing in this day and age. Last week we talked about you can't be a spectator in the God's miracle for your life. Oh, God, I want you to do it. And God said, okay, I want you to operate by my principles and by faith. Where do we get that from? Hebrews 6.12 and Hebrews 11.33. Hebrews 11.33 says that through faith they obtained the promises. Hebrews 6, 12 tells us, be imitators of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Which means that it's not waiting for God to create something. It's already been done on the cross of Calvary. Do you see that? Everything you'll ever need has been done at the cross of Calvary. I keep saying that because we have to keep hearing that. Because when you deal with the storm, what do we do? We look for God to do something new. And God wants you to know it's already been completed. That's why he says that he's given us all things that pertains in life. He didn't say it's already been established. The Lord is my shepherd. He has prepared. He has prepared a table for us in the midst of our enemies. Not when you just get to heaven, but in this world, in this earth. Jesus told them to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So just imagine what God would have for you in heaven and begin to say, that's my potential according to the word of God. I'm going to find it in the New Testament according to the promises. That's what you want to look for, the promises of God. That's what you want to look for. What does the Bible say? Not what do I say, not what do other preachers say, not what other denominations say, not what preachers on TV say. All of that may or may uh, be right or might be wrong. But at the end of the day, let all men be liars and God be true. 
true. I need to get to what the word of God. That's where we teach you to challenge everything. Because what we want you to walk it out, not by your feelings. There's be times you'll see a great miracle when you're running on a high. But there'll be times you'll see a great miracle when you don't feel God at all. And you think, God, I don't think you're with me. I don't feel you. I feel discouraged. I, I sense the storms of life. I sense the fire of the furnace. Oh, God, I don't know what to do. I don't even know if I believe in you. Oh, God, I don't know. I just don't feel you. I'm here to tell you the word of God says he will never leave you nor forsake you. Romans again says, do not be moved by what you feel, hear, or see, which means what I feel emotionally in the moment, are you listening to me, does not dictate the opportunity that's available to me. I can say, I don't feel God, but I know God is with me. I'm going to praise him because he is God all by himself on good days or bad days. I'm going to praise him because he can bless you when it looks like everybody's trying to take from you. I'm going to praise him because he can hear you when the doctor goes, oh no, I've never seen that before. We have it. Uh, we see miracles even here. We had one guy where the doctor, he went in for his physical after being prayed for and for his heart. He had a pacemaker and he went in and the doctor said, mm. and he said, well, that doesn't sound good. He goes, wait a minute. I need to get another doctor. Walked away, came back. And the other doctor came in and went, hmm. He said, doctor, tell me what's going on. He said, well, we don't see this too often, but your heart is literally repairing itself. And we're going to take out your pacemaker. We're going to take you off your medicine, and we don't want to see you for another year. Come on, somebody. Your heart doesn't just naturally... Oh, that's a coincidence. There is no coincidence. They were prayed for, and the power of God began to do a work. It is a real deal. We have to move beyond the excitement of the emotion that many people, it, that, that stuff is wonderful, but it's like sugar. It's good to a point, but you got to get to a place that if you're on a sugar low, you know that God's word still works. If everything is against you, you know that God's power is still available because God's power is so tangible. It is so real that even even if you don't feel it when you pray, you can know and have confidence that when you have prayed, the Bible says, in alignment with his word, that God has heard it. And you can have confidence. Mark 11, 23, 24, when you, when you pray, believe that you receive and you have Believe that you have received it and you will have it. You walk out of that prayer time saying, I don't see it in the natural. I don't feel it in my emotional. But something down deep on the inside of me tells me that I'm winning this race. I'm winning this game. I'm winning this battle. Are you listening to me? That's the word of God deep on the inside of you. It doesn't come because it should come. It doesn't come because you hope it comes. It comes because you hear the word and hear the word and get the word. Am I talking to anybody? We can't just live on a few scriptures a week and expect to have a charged up spirit person. You have to keep it charged like your phone. Some of us charge our cell phones more than we charge our spirit man. We don't spend time praying. We don't spend time in the word i'm talking to people that are in the other church no one here we don't spend time praying we don't come to church that often and we don't we don't spend time in the word and we get mad because things in our spirit world doesn't seem like it's working right i'm telling you if you treated your cell phone like you do your spirit person you'd be mad and be blaming at&t for bad cell service you'd be you'd be blaming apple for a bad phone you'd be blaming why because you say it doesn't work it's not them you got to keep it charged up do you see what i'm talking 
talking about. And you got to get in the Word and say, I'm going to get in the Word and in God's presence. That's what God's placed in our heart. Why, why are we doing We're just not having a daily prayer meeting and a daily time in the Word just to do it. We want to oversaturate ourselves with the Word of God and the presence of God because we have to begin to live and operate and play at a different level of faith because where we were years ago worked years ago. But we are moving. History is moving forward. And it doesn't matter if you're like, I don't want it. I'm telling you, we are moving to the wrap-up of this thing. The enemy's trying to take control, but God said, I'm going to wrap it up at a certain time because the earth has been leased to Adam. Let me take a breath. And the earth has been really, it just dawned on me, I haven't been breathing the last 10 minutes. And the earth, like, hey, I need to breathe. The earth has been released. That's why I can't even follow notes. I can't read that fast. But the earth has been, re- has been leased to Adam for a specific time. Matthew 24, Jesus said, and only the Father knows when the wrap-up of that time is. But it's coming. Even demons know. Because when Jesus was ministering, a demon-possessed person began to scream out. And the demon said, I know who you are. You're the Son of God. Have you come before the time to torment us? They know that there's a wrap-up of time. But the Bible tells us that the enemy's power is diminishing every day. But the Bible tells us that we go from glory to glory every day. I'm telling you, things are changing. One of the things the enemy, not to go down this road too much, the reason that demon said that was not only because of time, but because they recognized the anointing. Because what they understood is that God gave the authority. Have you ever heard someone say, if it's God's will, it'll be done? I say this a lot, but I have to keep saying it because we have to drill that into the culture of who we are. You say, well, if it's God's will, anything that happens to me must be God's will. That is not true. I can debate that from a logical standpoint, and I can debate it by a theological standpoint. If everything that happens was the will of God, why do we have prisons? If everything that, every result that happens to you is the will of God, then for all the students, you need to go up to your teacher and say, I know it says a D, but it must have been God's will for me to get a D. So why don't we just move it across the table and we'll call it a B minus and we'll both be happy. We have been taught in the church world that everything, well, God's all-powerful, yes. But he had created a system, and Psalms 119 says he has elevated his word above his name. He has created a system, and he said at creation Genesis, let us put man in charge. It's Adam, humanity, that was in charge, and humanity that brought himself under uh, the devil. You see my point? And eventually it's going to be wrapped up. God didn't kill that baby because he needed another angel in heaven and a little flower. It's a lie of the devil. And people are walking around today outside of the church not serving God because someone spe- uh, gave them, spilled that foolishness to them in their hardest time. And they thought, well, I don't want to worship a God that does that to a baby. I don't want to worship a God that did that to my, my mother. God doesn't put cancer on people. John 10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But the demon recognized that Jesus was there, and he wasn't supposed to be there yet. He said, I know who you are. You're the son of God, which means you are a spirit being. What are you operating in this natural dimension? But what that demon didn't know, and you have to understand, demons and the devil are not creators. They're created beings, which means they don't know everything. And what that demon found out that day, are you listening to me? What he did not realize that day, but he found out later. 
that Jesus didn't just show up. He came through a virgin birth, which gave him this earth suit, which gave him authority in this physical dimension. But the demons saw the spiritual side. But Jesus had to have the physical dimension to operate in this world. And so he had the ability to access not only the spiritual side because he was as much God as God, but also man as man. And he was able to bring the anointing of the Holy Spirit because he was anointed by God, Acts 10.38. He was anointed without any measure. And so when he walked the earth, he had a physical authority, but he also carried something that they hadn't seen too often, and that was a spiritual authority. And that demon was cast out, and he learned for the heart, well, he has a right to be here. Demons occupied by the ignorance that you think that they have a right to be where they're at. And I'm here to tell you they have no legal right in the dimension of God or the dimension of the earth to be there. You have the right for the dimension of the earth within the area of your jurisdiction. What you have authority. This is not go to your neighbor's house and preach to them and tell them they have to turn that TV off. No, you don't have authority at your neighbor's house. You're going to be in jail and starting a prison ministry soon. But in your world of authority, with your physical body, you have authority. But as children of God, are you listening to me? As spiritual, as anointed men and women of God, you not only have the physical authority, you carry something that the devil sees first, and that's the spiritual authority. You have the rule of God. You have the authority of Matthew 18, 18. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth is loose in heaven. You have a right, Mark eleven twenty three, to speak to that mountain and tell it it's got to go. You might have been there a long time. People might have picnicked around you, but I'm here to tell you, giant, you don't belong here. I'm here now. I'm I'm taking over this space. This is my spot. This is my, this is my destiny. God told Israel, I'm going to take you to the promised land. But there's going to be giants in the land. Don't get upset about the giants in the land. They're going to work for your benefit. Why? Because if they weren't there, all your crazy cousins would have been there before you. And then you have to keep, they're keeping everybody out. Because everybody's scared of Goliath. But when an anointed man of God shows up, he might not look like much to anybody else. They might overlook them. They might run them down. They might ridicule you. They might ignore you. They might not think you got it together. But one thing you got is a connection with God. And all of a sudden, David said, Oh, oh king, I want you to know that the same God who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me today. He, what, what does he say? Oh, king, I want you to know I can handle this. Not by my mind, not by my power, but by the spirit of the God. It's not it's not me it's him you got to get your eyes off yourself the enemy's tactic is to get you to think about you how do you feel what do you think about it what do you know about it but you got to get to a place and say it's not about me it's all about God and I am connected to God and I'm letting that giant know he cannot stay there he doesn't have a right to be there he might think he has a seven years squatters right I'm here to tell him that there is a greater law than the law he's read that's the law of heaven and today is eviction day today he's being relocated day today he's gotta go day cancer you gotta go 
spirit of infirmity, you have to go. Why? Where did we in the church world, in the church history, adopt a theology that was so in line with the world system that we thought that we were the victims and that we had to tolerate whatever the devil served? Like we talked about a few weeks ago, God has prepared a table for you. He has made provision for you, even in the midst of your enemies. But you can't sit and eat from the, di- the dinner table of the devil and expect to be filled up with God's food. Hallelujah, hallelujah. First Corinthians 1. Hang on, I got to take a breath again. I think I might check in a scuba diving. I hear they don't have to breathe. First Corinthians chapter 1. Are you with me today? Verse 27. But God has selected for his purpose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, revealing their ignorance. And God has selected for his purpose the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, revealing their frailty. That means everything that's against you that's saying, oh, I'm, I'm, I am so strong. What are you going to do about it? God says, well, I'll show you. Verse 28, God has selected for his purpose the insignificant base things of the world and things that are despised and treated with contempt. Even the things that are nothing so that, we, so that he might reduce to nothing the things that are. So that no one, catch this, verse 29, so that no one may be able to boast in the presence of God. When the devil tells you that you aren't qualified, you ought to smile. That's even a better position. And when you feel qualified, you need to look up higher because where God's taking you. The only time we feel confidence is when we feel like we've got it figured out and when we've been here, we've got it down. Maybe you need to say, I need to pull up the stakes a little bit and stretch my cords a little bit and get my tent a little wider because I've learned here and I've gotten so comfortable here, I'm beginning to think I brought myself here. It's a walk of faith. It sometimes, it'll be a battle of faith. But I'm telling you, when you get so confident in your abilities, that's because you've stayed where you're at too long. You ought to say, God, what's next? Shout, what's next? God, what do you want me to do next? That might be in your career. That might be in relationship. That might be, that's not in your marriage. So don't divorce them and go to the next. I just need to over clarify that. That might be in your business. That might be in your ministry. That might be whatever it is God's called you to do. The alignment of his assignment. And you begin to say, all right, God, this is where I've been. Show me what's next. You'll get almost to where you're like, if I, I, I'm getting a little uncomfortable being comfortable. I've been comfortable too long. I need to be able to step and stretch a little bit by faith. I need, to, I need to walk out on some water a little bit. I need to use my faith for something that I, I know is a certain level of risk. God, show me. Don't do something. Don't make it up on your own just to do it. But begin to pursue God and seek God and say, God, what's the next chapter look like? I know you've called me. And the Proverbs 4 tells us that the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter and brighter to complete a day. So I'm not completed yet. So I know there's a next season. As long as you figure you got it down, then you don't need God and you are going down and not going up. 
But you need to live a life of saying, God, I want to thank you for what you're doing. I am so appreciative of what you're doing. But Lord, I want to stay in pace with the Holy Ghost. I want to stay. What is my assignment? What's the next chapter? Some of us haven't asked that in a long time. Well, I'm retired, Pastor. You might be retired from full-time employment, but you didn't retire from full-time child of God. You haven't retired as a son and daughter of God. You haven't retired from destiny. In every destiny, you got to say, God, what's my next chapter? God will say, I want you to do this, but God, I can't do that. I look weak compared to them. I, look, I don't look as educated as some of them. I don't look as, as, as having as much influence as they do. And God says, good, because that's where I want to take you, because I want to show them with my hand on you, I can do for you what they could never do on their own. I want to shock some smart people. I want to tell the people who think they're strong that they're not as strong as they thought they were. I want to do something so at the end of the story, no one gets glory but God. Come on, somebody say, what's next? Ooh, I just changed the title of the message. Child, what's next? God, what's next? And if you're in a season of, oh God, I feel so insecure, smile because he's getting ready to do the impossible. Begin to say, God, I thank you. I serve. I worship. I obey. I lean on. I depend on. I trust in. I trust on you, God. You are the God of the impossible. And I thank you. When I come through this, I'm going to have a greater victory. When I, and, and it doesn't have to be storms against you. Sometimes it's opportunities. It doesn't have to be like the devil's trying to kick your teeth in. Walking by faith doesn't mean you're living a life that you're in constant battle. Sometimes it's just the pressure of you moving forward. You know, you get going fast enough, you're going to feel the winds of opposition. You don't believe so? Roll the window down in your car on the way home. You don't call people and say, it's so breezy today. No, you're going 100 miles an hour. But it's saying, listen, God, I want to keep, I want to stay pace with God. Not because I think I deserve it. Not, think, not because I think I'm qualified. God will take a little boy and say, I want you to chuck this rock. And you don't know what is going to happen, but I'm going to use that rock and I'm going to kill a giant today. And I'm going to do it through you. They're going to be so shocked. They won't know what to do. And that's so inspired in closing. That's so inspired. You know, interesting thought here. I had a really pretty message. It was tied with the Super Bowl and everything. It was so nice. It was. It was. I, I had all the. I don't even know where I was going. See, I got myself sidetracked. But when the enemy, it's not always trying to fight. It's an advancement. God's not looking for perfect people. Oh, I know where I was going. Thank you, Holy Ghost. In closing. <laughs> 32 years of preaching every week gets you to that. Forget where I was at. In closing. When you study the story of David, not only did he kill Goliath... But it did something that day to those who were hiding out. Some of us have people we know, 
that we want to see serve God. We want to see them on fire for God. And we t- try to preach to them every chance we get. And that's, that's good if the Holy Spirit's leading you to do it. Sometimes it's just you getting so fired up in your life. And they see what God is doing in your life. That literally the Bible says when, he, when David cut off Goliath's head, and tell me, talk about faith, to be on the battlefield in front of everybody and talking to a guy who's bigger, better, faster, and madder than you are and tell them, I'm going to cut your head off and all you got is a rock to chuck. But God gave him the sword when he needed it. And when he cut off Goliath's head and raised it up, the Bible said Israel, it emboldened them. It strengthened them. It encouraged them. And they all rose up because they did not stop with one giant that day. They chased the enemies of God from city to city. Something happened. Something was released. It wasn't just an emotional, wow, David did it. Let's all go. There was, an, there was a supernatural deposit, an impartation that happened. I'm telling you, some of you are going to walk through some victory, and it's going to create not only an anointing stronger in your life, because once you've killed a giant, you don't talk about the lion and the bear anymore. And all of a sudden, it, it's, it will stir the people around you, the people that know you, the people that live with you, the people that have come across a relationship with you. They're going to see something. I was just talking to uh, uh, Asma, wave your hand, so, so I'm not t- making this up. She came down and wanted me to agree with her. One of somebody she had went to high school with years back reached out to her. And she said, I'm not even friends with this person. She goes, I have no interaction. I didn't even know uh, they were friends. And the lady contacted her and said, listen, I am so embarrassed to reach out to you. Because I've never, we weren't friends in high school. We have no contact. But she said, I've been watching you on Facebook from afar. Make sure I get this right. And she said, the reason I'm reaching out is I'm in the medical field and I have stage four kidney failure. She goes, and I know in the natural I'm going to die. But I'm reaching out because I see on your Facebook something different. And I want you to come to me and pray for me. Two hours away. She said, that's not too far. I'll come to pray with you. Two hours away. How many people agree that that's going to be a miracle story? Amen. In the process. She said, I was watching what your life looks like on Facebook. And I knew... Of all the people she had, probably as friends, I saw God will use you. He'll draw a, your attention to you from the other people's minds that might not have any connection to you. Why? Because he's creating a story. And she said, I know I'm about to die, but I'm hoping that you can pray for me and I can see God heal me. What am I telling you? That your stories of what God is doing in your life, it's just not for you. The Bible says that, we've talked about this over and over again, check it out. But the Bible says that your story, it's an aroma of God's goodness that God wants to display His goodness wherever you go. It can be a part of somebody else's story because the aroma of God's goodness, that story, doesn't stay with just you. It goes and becomes a part of somebody else's story, a miracle in the making. Oh, I like that better. So we just changed, we just changed the title again. You are not only a miracle, but God's going to use your story. Now you listen, he's going to use your story to be a miracle in the making. 
for somebody else. For somebody else. Do you see what I'm talking about? We get so caught up about our little world to find the walls and boundaries and think, oh my God, what am I, why, why me? Don't worry about you. Get your eyes off you. Just say, man, this is going to be a great story and that's going to be a, it's going to be a miracle in the making. In Jesus' name. God's doing something in you. A miracle in the making. See, a miracle in the making. That Goliath, when he dropped and his head came off, it emboldened the story of everybody else. Those who were scared, those who were weak, those who were hiding, those who were just hoping to survive. Now all of a sudden they said, let's get them. Your life is going to... Your life is... All you might see is the beginning of the storyline. Don't worry. You're going to come out with a great story. But it's going to be a story of a, the, the making of a miracle in somebody else's life. And people reach out to you and say, I've seen, I've heard what God's done in your life. I'm in the pit. I need to get out. I'm about to die. I need to get healed. I'm about to lose it all. I need somebody. And God will use you to complete that story. If that's you, just lift your hands and say, Father, I want a part of that. Use me, oh God. Use me, oh God. God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for available people. Use me, oh God. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Sir, you just, the Holy Spirit just keeps bringing you back. Can I pray for you? Would you stand here, Freedom? We don't always do this, but I don't know what's going on. Just, I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I just feel God's touching and working on your life. He won't let me. I keep on trying to move past this, and he keeps on getting my, ten, my attention. Does it make sense what I'm talking about? Don't worry about anybody else. They're not even looking at us. They're all in their own world right now. Lift your hand if you would. Close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, whatever he's needing, he is a miracle in the making. I crush and bind the enemy's tactics against him. We set him free. In the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus' name. You know, Lord. You know, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 You might ask, why did you do that? I don't know. I just do if the Lord places on my heart, I simply obey. That's, that's the rhythm. See, what if you miss it? Then you repent and keep going. But I'd rather miss it trying than miss it not trying. Because when you obey, that's when you're going to see the goodness of God. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap or praise. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm not asking you to join a church or try to be a better person. And the way you process and the way you experience and the way you understand and look at life the question that's being asked is, is Jesus Christ real to you today?
in a way that you know for yourself that he's real and your Lord and Savior. I'm not into religion. I define that as man's created rules to get to God. I'm into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Salvation is one of the greatest miracles. Coming out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Coming into the family of God. Going to heaven. Missing hell. Knowing him. Knowing him. This is not a wishful, emotional thing. Although emotions and thoughts can be part of the process. But on the inside of who you really are, it comes alive. And you know that Jesus is real. And he's your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never heard the gospel. This might be the first time you've been in a church. You didn't know that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the price of what Adam did and brought humanity under. Pain for your sin. Was crucified for us and on the third day rose again for us. Or maybe you've used to be right with God and you've allowed stuff to come between you and God. We're in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Jesus is talking to the church as one. He says, you're neither hot or cold, but you are lukewarm. And I have to spew you out of my mouth. If either one of those are you, then this prayer I'm about to pray is for you. We're not here to condemn people. We're here to see people become who God wants them to become. Have what God wants them to have. Do what God wants them to do. Reach who God wants you to reach. So Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible tells us, with the heart man believes in righteousness, with the mouth confession is made into salvation. Jesus said in Revelation 3, I stand at the door and I knock. If you open up, I'll come in. So a simple prayer that comes from your heart, that means you mean it, can have an eternal impact in every area of your life. We are not into religion. We're into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if, if that's you, I want you to follow this prayer. Pray this prayer with me. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I repent of all my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that he came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me because I believe that Jesus, I open up the door of my heart and life and I invite you in. I ask you to wash me in your blood. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So thank you. I, I say today that you are my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. And everyone shouted.